In this episode, we're going to pull apart a story that made headlines in December about a Victorian family who lost their house deposit. How could they have avoided this tragedy? Welcome to your first home buyer guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property and our where to buy a workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. How's this for a headline? Weird detail. Let sellers keep Victorian families $320,000 house deposit. It's enough to strike fear into the heart of every home buyer. What was this weird detail? Was it really that weird or did they make an easily avoidable mistake? But before we get into that, we're going to have a little chat about Megan's special house. Um, this is those who watch. <laughs> For those who watch, yes, there's a video behind Megan. Um, I'm not really sure whether in the edit you actually, with the way it's edited, you even get to see it. Hopefully you do. You just hear us banter <laughs> on about it. This looks horrible, I have to say. Well, this is in China, so you can see you know, high rise, all that sort of stuff. But what this is is a suspected illegal structure that has been um, covered over with plantings. <laughs> Oh, they thought they were going to get away with it. it, it so, okay, so anyone who's not listening, so what this is is it just looks like an apartment building, not yep. a particularly attractive one at that, and it looks like it's got a massive topiary tree growing on the top of it, but what growing you're saying around it. is that inside that tree, which isn't a tree, is basically an illegal structure that they've planted and put a hanging garden around to try to pretend it's not there. <laughs> <laughs> it, like it stands out like a sore thumb because there is not a, another piece of greenery anywhere around No. It. It's, Somebody it's a, doesn't really know how to be clandestine. <laughs> it's in a concrete. It's like <laughs> that's it's like I'm trying to think of those cartoons where somebody thinks they're in disguise and they're so obvious. They just stick out like sore thumb. Humans are funny, funny things, aren't funny creatures, aren't they? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Okay, let's talk about the big mistake. Let's These talk about this. Now, we're referring to an article that was published on news.com.au amongst other sites and it even made its way to the UK. <laughs> it's a very emotive story with the sub heading 
A family with three young kids under the age of 12 thought they'd secured their $3.2 million dream home until one clause in the contract left them ruined. Mm. Ouch. Like that headline, when I read that headline, I thought, oh, Oh my God, what's What's gone wrong? What's gone wrong? Now, we've added the link to the show notes. um, And before we kick off, we want to make it known that we haven't fact-checked the article because it's the process we want to go through here rather than determine a remedy for them. So what what was in the article? We're going with that being correct. <laughs> also, <laughs> the fact is most first-home buyers are not spending $3.2 million on a property. So we so get that lesson. you guys listening to this, we're thinking, <laughs> my God, if you had that much money, what are you doing throwing it away? But um, anyways, let's start at the top. So this, this story starts in June 2019. And if anyone remembers way back to June 2019, do you remember what happened in May 2019, Megan? Oh, I've caught you out here, you asked, Because we're in the middle of COVID and we were all trying to keep our businesses afloat was what no, was happening. No, that was the... Oh, sorry, no, the year before. You're a whole year out there. A so whole year out. Everything's blurred, you know. May was 2019... came off the boil? No, it was the federal election. Oh, there you go. That's when Scott Morrison won the unwinnable or what should say um, short and lost the unlosable election. <laughs> and so, but the market in Sydney and Melbourne at that time was pretty bad. It, it started rebounding, you know, at, towards the end of 2019, but we had been in downturn for two years. Sydney mm. and Melbourne have both been in downturn in two years. That's the reason I sort of highlight when was that because this couple and the young with three small children under 12, love that in the headline, they purchased a house in Melbourne in June 2019 with a six-month settlement. And that's a long settlement period of time. Anywhere. Anywhere, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Um, so first of all, the very fact that you could get such a long settlement says to me that the owners were prepared to make concessions for a buyer because in a hot market, you've got Buckley's getting a six-month settlement. And, and look, it may have been that the seller, it suited the sellers to have a long settlement. They might have been building another property. There's all sorts of circumstances that we don't know about here. But True. I guess what it raises for us is what are some of the risks of having a long settlement? Uh, there definitely the- are some risks. One mm. is... If you have a pre-approval, they tend to last three months. So if you've got a mm. six-month settlement, you're buying with an understanding of what you've got finance. I know we're jumping ahead here because these people, spoiler alert, didn't even have this. But anyway, if they did have a pre-settlement, that would pre-approval. last. Sorry, pre-approval. That would last three months. Only and three so months. there's a risk associated with taking a settlement that's longer than that. Um, and lending rules can change. Mm. They change Constantly. And if you haven't got um, an unconditional approval on a property, which a bank isn't going to do an unconditional approval on a six-month settlement, they're, they're going to still have conditions on, the, on, on that. And that is that the property values up closer to settlement. Um, so, so that long settlement, yeah, it affects your finance position. Yeah, and they may well have asked for it too because they did have another property, um, which is in Bendigo, and if the buyer asked for it, you know, 
and this is often the case with our clients, you know, sometimes I'll say, oh, look, I'd really want a four-month settlement or something. And I'm like, well, even if we can get it, can you please check with your broker whether that's feasible, whether there's any risks associated with that? And so that's the very first thing is just you got to have advisors so that you know the questions to ask because, mm. you know, we don't know what we don't know. And so that's one of the things that as a buyer's agent we do is point our clients, okay, I can't advise you on the finance, but I, de- I tell you what, I do know that that's a danger zone. questions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So these guys signed a contract, okay? So that means they made an offer which had various conditions attached and then they, you know, potentially, presumably, but there was nothing in the article about their offer. It just says that they signed a contract and they noticed that the subject to finance clause had been removed. Now, in New South Wales, for instance, there's no standard subject to finance clause anyway. So... um, even the very in Queensland, you have to insert the clause. So the clause is on the contract, but you actually have to enact the clause by putting in certain pieces of information. So it's not removed in in that circumstance. But in Victoria, and we probably could have fact checked that one to be honest. Just prior to this, now I'm thinking about it. However, but even if I know you can buy there without having that clause in the mm. contract, so I, I wouldn't suggest it as a standard contract clause. And here's the thing: there every jurisdiction. Jurist- it might be common, standard. but it might mm. not be standard. And mm. so th- this is where people get into uh, into trouble when they assume that something should be standard because for them it seems reasonable, but it's actually not the way things actually operate. Mm. Um, and so, you know, signing without legal advice, because that's what it sounds like they've done, that's really scary. Like what on earth makes somebody think that that they don't need to get these things checked by, yeah. by an expert? <laughs> it's it's fine to go ahead with in a risky situation like this, which is an unconditional contract in this set of circumstances. But do it with your eyes wide open and with the, the information. Um, you know, spoiler alert again, part of the article referred to the fact that he had bought a property in Australia previously um, and assumed that what had happened then would be the same as what, what would happen now some mm. years later. Uh, and things change. Legislation changes. Lending policies change. Market conditions might change. Contracts change. Even mm. standard contracts change. Yes, massive assumption. So this is just assumption after assumption after assumption. And, I've, and nowhere in this article does it refer to them ever getting advice. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, that's just an easy thing. It's so avoidable, really. They could have asked a mortgage broker. Mm-hmm. They could have even should asked have. Their, Sorry, Veronica. Should have. Should have. Should have. Should have. Should have gone broker. and got contract looked at by a lawyer, talked to a lawyer before signing such an important document, mm. but didn't do either of those things. And the the... The husband is quoted as saying, we wanted the house, of course. We had got emotionally attached to the house. We liked it. He said... Oh, those emotions. <laughs> yes. He also felt pressured into signing the contract with the revised condition because the real estate agent told him that there were other potential buyers waiting in the wings. And he said, I quote, I was worried that they would sell the house any meant to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Now, oh my God, this is just 101 fail, fail, fail. And I do, we do feel for these people. Oh, this is and, a- and great respect to, to the buyers, but this is, this is about the lessons that we yes. can pass on um, because clearly they're emotionally attached. 
made some assumptions about process and didn't seek advice from experts in their fields and relied on the agent <laughs> to guide them through the process is working for the seller. Now, <laughs> at no point do I see any issue with what the agent has done here. Their no. job is to sell the property for the highest price to any buyer on any terms that are favourable to the seller. Absolutely. I mean, and this is the thing. The market, I'm telling you right now, I know the market was crap at the time. Like, but these buyers have so fallen so in love with the house, obviously, that they they just to the exclusion of any caution. Or, you know, yeah. what were they doing? Do they not notice that that probably the open house would, would not have had that many people go through it? I mean, obviously, you know, FOMO can kick in not just in hot markets. Mm-hmm. You know, FOMO can kick in in the absence of information that, you know, market, good market information that would have given them, I guess, some insights that hopefully would have dissipated that FOMO. Mm-hmm. And and as a consequence, they quite possibly overpaid. I mean, how did they possibly come up with, if they've done they or other due diligence, right? Yeah, where did they do their pricing research? Yeah, exactly. Pretty it's, sure they didn't do the free mini course that's on Empire <laughs> Academy. Fair assumption. If they had, they would have probably heard about talking to a mortgage broker. <laughs> and I think our mini course did exist then too, so it was freely available for them. Now, <laughs> they, the, but you know what the, the really interesting thing is? They were actually, well, that owner never actually sold it. So mm. after they defaulted and weren't able to settle, the owner pocketed their deposit, right, so $320,000, thank you very much for coming. The agent Minus got the agent's their, commission because yeah, the, the agents ag- would have been paid their commission on that's that. That's it. Agent got their fee out of that. Mm. Um, and unfortunately for these owner, these buyers, I should say, that they've lost $320,000. Um, those owners didn't actually have, they still haven't sold the property. So where were the other buyers that were waiting in the wings? Yeah. Now, we're not, we're not suggesting that you second guess an agent who is telling you this, but you need to understand where you are in the market cycle to see if it's feasible that there might be a lot of other buyers sitting in yep. the wings. In, in a rapidly rising market, I wouldn't be second guessing when an agent says that. It's undoubtedly true. Mm. Yes. And in fact, we need to do, I think we need to do a negotiation episode where we can start talking about you know, those little things that agents say, you know. But yep. and look, highly we'll recommend. Run, put it down, put it on the list. Yes, we'll put that on our list. We I think we'll do a mini course a, a, a what do you call a workshop. Oh God, just do the course, people. There's all this sort of stuff in there. But anyway, so these these guys, you know, they they failed to recognize the market, they failed to get advice, they they failed to understand that the agent was working them after the event. He basically, you know, I mean, because I obviously outgunned by the agent and and after the event, the hapless buyer said, oh, you know, the agents sell 10 houses a month and I only buy one every 10 years, you know, and, and that's the truth. That's the point. <laughs> yes. That is the point. You don't know what you don't know. And if you make false assumptions based on past history or what someone else tells you, then you're actually further back than you are forward. You know, you're dealing with people who do this every day. This is their job. This is their expertise. This is their their, their ability to get good money out of buyers is what they're actually paid to do. Yep. They're doing their job. And they create urgency, mm. you know. So, so that's what this agent was doing. I don't necessarily agree that, you know, that... Um, you know, well, that's maybe why you and I started businesses in buyers agency is to, to balance that up and, and to give people representation that's equally professional. But, you know, one thing that he said was that they weren't planning on withdrawing. They had no intention of, of not going ahead with the purchase, but that's mm. actually not the point of the finance clause. No. <laughs> 
So it's let's not see how he approached that. <laughs> well, yeah, and this is a good point, actually, because he's like, but we weren't planning on withdrawing, so we didn't worry about the finance clause. So it's like the finance clause isn't about you withdrawing. It's about basically protecting the vendor to say, well, you've got no get-out-of-jail clause. Like if you can't get finance, you know, that's... Too bad, so sad. Yeah, because they didn't yeah. want to, the, the risk, particularly if you're going to sign with a six-month um, mm-hmm. settlement, most owners wouldn't want to risk that. What could happen at the end of that six months is that you can't get your money and go, oh, so sad, too bad. You know, it's a, it's a tough market for selling. Yeah, you know? and if the market was dropping during that period of time, oh, they God, could have yeah. suffered a loss um, over a six-month settlement and then resale would have been at a, at a lower cost. Now, the seller does have remedy if the buyer defaults on the contract. They can actually sue them for the difference mm. between what the original buyer would have paid and what the they actually were able to achieve. So there is remedy, but that's long and protracted and, and and could take a long time in court. Maybe these guys were lucky that the vendor didn't sell because yeah, if they yeah, sold yeah, for sold less than the $3.2 yeah. million, they might have sued them for the difference. So actually mm. they might mm. have been their blessings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this now, is risky it, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so again, lessons out of this, not, not judgment. But in order to calculate whether he could um, get the finance on the $3.2 million purchase minus his $320,000 deposit plus his purchasing costs. In order to calculate it, he used an online calculator and assumed that he'd be eligible for the same type of loan that he'd used to buy his first property, um, which uh, I think from memory was um, medical. In Bendigo. Medical specialist. And no, no, he had much, a house in Bendigo. Yeah, yeah, so he had a house in Bendigo that he'd purchased about 10 years earlier, but he, being being medical, he, they can access yes, different yes. LBRs, so higher LBR yep. as a medical um, professional, uh, up to 90%, I think, And um, but that house that he purchased was at a lower price point. Mm. So here in lies why you talk to a mortgage broker before you ever before you step out the door and start inspecting, before you get on realestate.com, oh, you build your team, your support crew. You know, step one of the 10 steps in the, the pay system is build your support crew. Mm-hmm. And that is understand your borrowing capacity, not from an online calculator, because the online calculator can't tell you the terms and conditions of what you can and can't access. Oh, I, when I read that bit, I was like, oh, this guy, you know, <laughs> almost deserves what he got. I mean, no one deserves to lose $320,000. But, I mean, this is just, I don't know whether it was arrogance, willful ignorance or, or just true ignorance. Oh, but the guys obviously, mm-hmm. uh, and I say the guy, it's a couple, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're not dumb. They're smart oh, people. They're doctors, people. right? Mm-hmm. They're not dumb. But uh, if, if doctors can make this mistake, and quite often doctors do make a lot of mistakes outside medical because they they are, you know, they're so smart. Especially in their, their field. Yeah, everyone yeah. looks after them and no one, <laughs> nobody thinks they could do any wrong. But anyway, they, you know, after they sign the contract, and this is the danger, right, then you find out the rules. After mm. you've committed yourself, mm. then you find out the truth. It, it's just better to find this stuff up before you sign away <laughs> your life like let's get it in the right order this is why the pay system is so important mm, you know mm. you've got 10 big chunky steps to get through and you've got to get it in the right order or you right stuff order. up like this like yes. he's gone straight to step is it step nine um <laughs> make the negotiation he never got to step 10 because step 10 is settlement right yeah step nine is negotiation or auction he skipped <laughs> Step one, he'd done step two, he'd saved his deposit, 
he steps he skips step three, the plan. He went straight he, to four. He did step four, which was search and inspect, right? We're leaving on five. He skipped revise and correct, which is five. He skipped the methods of sales understanding, understanding what was going on. Contracts and offers and who to talk to and when skipped to get number advice. Number seven. Skip that the evaluation totally. Skip yep. number eight, the contract. <laughs> <laughs> He basically did number one. No, he didn't do number one. What did he no, do? He number didn't. two, number four, and number nine out of a 10-step process. No wonder he But he, he didn't even do up. all of number two, Veronica, because <laughs> number two is getting your finance pre-approved. Oh, you just save the deposit. A bit of step two. <laughs> it absolutely breaks my heart. And the whole reason that we actually put this course together was because we were hearing from people that were doing, you know, they were going from, often going from step four, which is search and inspect, through to step nine, which is negotiate or go to the auction, <laughs> then going, I didn't know I, I didn't know I needed to do that. I no. didn't know I needed to talk to a broker. I didn't know I couldn't, I didn't know there were no term, you know, finance approval clause on an auction contract. I didn't know. I remember a student saying to us in the beta course that didn't he do, didn't he work out that he'd done like four, seven, nine, like I think <laughs> he worked was- out he was just zigzagging oh. all over the place. I think a lot of the students, and this is where revise and correct. So step five in our 10-step process is revise and correct. And that and quite we just need to pause sometimes. This the 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 consequences of getting it wrong are huge. Mm. And so just don't rush. You know, like I mean, speed is the essence, obviously, in a rising market. We're not saying just slow down to snail's pace and don't Mm. do anything. But what we are saying is it it does not pay to rush through this process because the consequences, particularly for this couple and their family, they're dire. They're really, really Mm. awful. Now I think I think if you are prepared properly, then you can move with speed and confidence. And, and knowledge. So you can still move quickly in a rapidly rising market if you have prepared yourself thoroughly. That's exactly right. Yeah. Very true. Uh, now, so what he discovered, of course, was that instead of the bank lending him 90%, which he had previously experienced, mm. they'd only lend him 84 Oh, sorry, 85%, 80, yeah. which meant that he had a shortfall of 160000 plus stamp duty, which is basically the same amount of money. So there's another $320,000 that he was missing. Now, there's no mention in the article as to whether he had anticipated mm. stamp duty. The sort of inference was that he hadn't. So there's another thing, back to money, isn't it? Understanding oh, what your costs are. What your costs are, which is part of the money mm. step two. How much do you need? How much okay. do you need, including said, all of your outgoings? He didn't do step two at all, did he really? Other than no. saving, he did nothing. No, he saved the deposit. <laughs> I keep saying he. <laughs> they. They. they, they. The case study saved it. Saved now, the deposit. Yeah. You know, they. they and, and that can be sizable, you know, and $3.2 million, as you say, it's about mm. 160, what, 160K in Sydney? New South Wales, uh, well, Victoria, sorry. It sort of depends. You know, it's more complicated in Sydney. Over three million, there's an extra kicker. But um, mm. actually, I think Victoria has the most expensive stamp duty in the whole country. Yeah, it does actually. Do you yeah, believe? Now, they had. You guys sort of remember they had this house in Bendigo, and he also had a share in a business. And so, obviously, as the deadline started looming, he's mad, they've got they have got into a mad panic to to try to rectify the situation. Mm-hmm. And they've tried to sell their Bendigo home, but they couldn't get a deal done in time. And, you know, once again, we're still talking 2019. Market 
Sydney and Melbourne were starting to recover. I don't know what was going down in Bendigo, mm. but certainly the market conditions at the time weren't in their favour. They bought, assuming the market was hot where it wasn't, um, then they found out that the cold, hard truth of trying to sell in a mm, tough in market. In a regional market where there's not a lot of demand at that time. Yeah. yeah. And also we don't know what it was he owned. I did try to find out actually. I did try to, to see if I could get a sense of what he bought, whether what he bought in Bendigo, what they bought in Bendigo was the sort of property that would be difficult to sell or not because mm. sometimes the market as a whole can really contract and it becomes difficult to sell everything. But there's there are always properties that will sell faster than others, yep. you know. Yeah, both A-grade properties, highly sought after, characteristics that are appropriate for the area, um, scarcity, owner-occupier appeal, the, you know, the, all, all those basics of A-grade properties, even in a slow market, are going to sell better and quicker and for a, a better price than if it's a compromised property. Very true. And that would have been a lifeline for them, mm. you know, if they had, you know, got themselves whatever it was that they own in Bendigo, if that was an absolute cracker, A-grade property that was always going to be in demand, mm. um, that, would, you know, that can solve many problems, having that type of property that you need to sell. But when, you, when you've got a time limit on you, oh. it can, you know, it, it can... can now, the pressure is enormous mm. when Horrific. you're forced to sell within a period of time in order to achieve an outcome. And if you can't achieve it, then the, the, it, it, it's almost like things start piling on top and piling on top. And, you know, if we only sell for that price, then we've still got this gap over here and how are we going to plug the gap and where mm. are we going to get extra funds from? And I, I think from memory he he did approach family. He he looked at all, they looked at all sorts of different options to, to fill that gap between what they'd expected to get in terms of um, finance. Now, they're, they're, they were absolutely fine to get finance. There was no issue with them obtaining finance. It was the loan-to-value ratio that they had misunderstood that would apply to them in their circumstances and in the price range that they were purchasing at. So no issues whatsoever with their assessment or, or um, capacity. It was just how much deposit How much? Yeah, yeah. And also begs the question, and it all sounds a bit neat in the article, so it may not have been like this, but, you know, if they'd saved 320000 if they figured that $3.2 million was their budget, and I've seen buyers do this, you know, that they they then offer what their budget is, not necessarily mm. what the house is worth, What's worth you know. Yeah. So um, particularly, and look, they were out of area buyers as well. They were not local to mm. Melbourne. They they actually, well, they're from overseas in the first place. They've been in Australia 10 years, so then they would have had to spend that time acclimatising themselves and familiarising themselves with the local property market, mm. and then they've been living in a regional town, and then they're, moved to a, they're moving to a city. So they've mm. got these quite different market conditions to wrap their head around, and mm. these are, markets behave differently as well. Absolutely. So, no, it's, tra it's absolutely tragic, mm. but it illustrates the risks of not knowing what you don't know and getting things in the wrong order. Yeah, Veronica, and, and skipping steps, skipping steps, not even knowing what steps to do yep. that you've skipped, um, and, and that's that's the thing. I mean, it's just it, the the basics of doing things in the right order at the right time are so important in the the property purchasing process.
And that's really the message of this story. And unfortunately, of course, the news outlets that publish it, that all they want to do is say, oh, well, isn't that terrible? These people lost their money. It's yes, like, this contract error. Now, what yeah, was it? What was no, the headline? No con- go back to it. What was the headline? It was weird clause. Weird detail. There's no weird, nothing weird, weird about it. <laughs> just like. Not weird. Not weird. Nope. Just that you didn't know what you didn't know. And when you notice this inverted commas weird detail they didn't do anything about it they didn't seek any advice they just yeah, went so they're ahead. aware of it mm, yeah mm, and so look this good advice. hugely avoidable hugely avoidable but if it doesn't do anything else it illustrates as as you said the gaps that people don't know if you don't know what you don't know this is the danger zone so all i can say is it People, if you are first home buyers, even if you're not first home buyers, do the bloody course. Go and <laughs> go and do save yourself a loss. Seven hundred forty nine bucks for God's sake, you know, versus three hundred twenty thousand dollars lost. <laughs> but even, do the if, bloody even course. if the potential loss is, you know, um, twenty grand, twenty thousand, mm. forty thousand, fifty thousand, even if the loss is that amount, you know, there's other remedies that the seller can chase you for if you default on a contract, if you've done things wrong and you can't settle on a property. They've got a whole raft of other remedies that they can use against you and you might be way more out of pocket than just your, the loss of your deposit. So you that's, that's very, very sobering news for a lot of buyers. And you've got to remember that, that Really, caveat emptor means buyer beware. Mm. And in, in varying degrees across every single state and jurisdiction, you've got you've got different things. We've often talked about it in Queensland, the vendor is is bound to disclose almost nothing in not New South Wales. In Victoria and New South Wales, you get disclosed a fair amount, but still not enough. It mm. is not enough. So you need to know the gaps because the law assumes that you are in a position to be able to make good decisions for yourself. Yep. And let's face it. And that you're going to seek advice. Every, contra- every contract says we recommend, you know, to, in mm. essence, you get advice. You seek yep. advice. Yeah. And we do too. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we most certainly do. <laughs> so do the course. Then you'll know what you don't know. In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff.